broadcasting the best in retro and modern gaming with your hosts, the enigmatic vintage video game geek, the incomparable Dinky Dana, and myself, John Pio of Mamecade. Welcome to Hit Reset Radio. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast inaugural episode. And hello to my fellow co-hosts, Vintage Video Game Geek and Dinky Dana. Hi, guys. Well, hello, John. Hey. How you doing, John? Hey, Dink. How are you? Doing well. Getting excited to do this. Okay. Well, as with all things, it's best to start at the beginning. So we're going to introduce ourselves. Vintage, being that you pulled us all together for this project, why don't you start first? Okay. Uh, well, hello. My name is uh, Vintage Video Game Geek. And uh, we all... We all kind of met on YouTube. You know, you're probably hearing this because you saw a video on our YouTube channels telling you to please come check us out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, my story is pretty much the same as, as a lot of people. Uh, you know, I grew up kind of a child of the 80s and the 90s, uh, fell in love with the arcades and, you know, some of the old consoles, NES, Genesis, uh, so on and so forth. And fast forward a little bit, um, started watching things on, on YouTube, came across the Angry Video Game Nerd around 2006. And then it took me a few years and I finally decided, well, you know what, I, I'd like to do videos too and kind of do my own take on things. And so I created my channel to kind of document uh, my experience growing up with video games and, and talking about the systems and games that had the most impact on me. Um, so that's that's basically me. And, uh, you know, I met I met uh, Dinky and, and John uh, through YouTube. And when, you know, a lot of a lot of these podcasts started to, you know, pop up. And, and, and let me just say, uh, let me just come right out and say it. We are totally jumping on the podcast bandwagon here. <laughs> um, because, and, and, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, okay, we've all had had the opportunity to go on the all-gen gamers podcast. Woo, woo, woo. Um, yeah. And, you know, those guys, like, as far as the YouTube gaming community, they, you know, they pretty much got the thing started. I mean, they were kind of the first guys... Um, you know, at least that I had been following that, that really did that well. And mm -hmm. when I went on the show, I had like a really good time and I thought, you know, it'd really be fun to do something like that. Um, so that's why when I was thinking of guys that, you know, I wanted to do this with, I, I reached out for these guys and, and thankfully they, they thought it was a good idea as well. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and and the other thing is, I, I'm also a big fan of the OKS podcast, and and I was sitting there thinking, you know, if 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 uh, if Tim can do a podcast, pretty much <laughs> pretty much anybody could. Like <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy their podcast too. <laughs> yes, I love you, Tim. All right, so uh, yeah, why don't I why don't I pass it over to Dinky and and uh, talk a little bit about your background? All right, yeah, I'm Dinky Dana. Um, and actually, with talking about all the YouTube, Vintage Video Game Geek is one of the first people that I actually met. When I came on to YouTube, I basically didn't really have an idea for what I was going to do. Um, I was mainly putting up video game reviews just for my friends to try and get them to play some games. And 
I always recommended games to my friends and they never played them and I said I'll try and put up a video and maybe convince them with video and my commentary on it but uh, growing up my parents bought me an Atari 2600 that's what I started with and soon after that a Nintendo NES and I just fell in love with video games back then I mean I grew up with classics like Pin uh, Pitfall, Donkey Kong, all that you know the usuals but as I was growing up I never got rid of any of my games. Uh, my parents bought me games when I was probably four to six years old and I never traded them into any stores. I just kept them as I was growing up. I got all, a lot of the consoles growing up, just Sega Genesis, uh, Super Nintendo I got later, all the consoles that everyone everyone knows about and loves. And eventually I had a large collection of video games and after college I really started getting into hardcore, I guess, collecting. And I looked at my collection, and I, I went to college, and I came back, and I pulled out all of my games, and I realized I had a lot of them, and I looked them up, and prices on eBay were going up, and games were worth a lot of money. And I started going out to flea markets and thrift stores, and just in, in search of retro video games, the games that I grew up and rented that I wanted back into my collection. And that's pretty much where some of the ideas for my YouTube came from. I originally started doing reviews, but after a while I put up a video of me going to the flea market and documented what I was buying and what I was seeing and just recorded the footage right out in the flea market, talking to some people that I ran into there. And people seemed to really enjoy it, and I started getting more subscribers. And it was a lot of fun interacting with the whole video game YouTube community started meeting people. I met Vintage Video Game Geek, like I said, really early. And John from Mamecade here. So, uh, really having a lot of fun with it. And then Vintage came to me and said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I always thought it would be a good idea. And we could probably talk your ears off about video games. So, I thought it was a great idea. So, thanks for bringing it up, Vintage. And let's hear from you, John. How'd you get into this? Well, let's see. Uh... Out of all three of us, I am the oldest in age, but yet the youngest on YouTube. So uh, I came into YouTube in 2010, I think around October 2010, and I actually got my start because I used to look at Matt Chat videos, and if you know what that is, it's Matt Barton doing reviews of computer games of the 90s. And I said, that is so cool. And I thought, you know what, I'd like to do that, but with arcade games. And there's lots of videos for arcade games, but I don't think many were doing uh, documenting the story of the video games except maybe Gamester, he was doing it on his channel I said I want to do something like that so I started Mamecade on YouTube then and one of the first people as well as uh, as you Dinky I, I met Vintage and his delivery and style was so smooth I said I have to say <laughs> hey to that, that guy so I said hello to him and he was kind enough to talk to me and he was probably one of the first people I met and I started uh, seeking out the big fish on YouTube to say hello and give my props and respect to them and uh, you included Dinky uh, and eventually I got my own little following uh, focusing on arcade games but uh, as one of the old guys I also got into the Atari 2600 when I was a kid and most of my childhood is on the Atari and Commodore 64 uh, I had a Nintendo, had a Super Nintendo, in fact I have most any game console that came out, but certain ones just are near and dear to your heart, depending on your age group, I guess, and you guys, I'm sure, would attest to that. Um, I'm a collector as well, but on a different scale. I collect 
actual arcade machines and pinball machines. And at this moment, I have about 20 actual pinball machines at my home, which doesn't make my wife very happy. There's no room in the house, <laughs> and it runs a big electric bill, but it's great at parties. Um, so that's what I do, and I fix the pinball machines, and I uh, clean boards on arcade machines. I'm having a great time on YouTube, and I've been away for a little bit because I'm expanding my family, and I'm having my second child real soon. So as yay. soon as uh, yay yay so I said this would be a great time to really get busy again as soon as my <laughs> baby is born because I'll have all the free time in the world. So here I am, and I and I thank Vintage for asking me to participate in this. I think it's a great idea. Uh, Dinky's a fantastic guy, and we bring. Uh, a little slice of our own little worlds together, and hopefully you, the listener, will enjoy what we have to say. So there you have it. That's that's great. Um, but I, w- I would like to say to everybody that, that is kind enough to be listening right now, if, if I could make a suggestion, just set your expectations very low for, <laughs> it, for this podcast. <laughs> it is our first. Yeah, <laughs> That's something I do, and it, it tends to help me like not be so disappointed if I don't expect something to be good. <laughs> and if it turns out being good, then I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. There you go. Is that your motto for life? <laughs> That's one of them, yes. I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says that. Now, John, don't you also have some, um, you also have some arcade cabinets too, though, right? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I have a, a dedicated Dragon's Lair that I can swap out the laser disc and put Space Ace in there, which is very cool. Um, I have a Spy Hunter, which I, I absolutely adore that game because it's so unique and it has all these great features. Um, I have a combo pinball and video games called Granny and the Gators, which is very rare. It's only 800 of them, I think, were made back in 84. So God knows how many are actually working today. And then I have an actual main cabinet with, you know, boards that I built, and it looks like a furniture piece, which is very cool. And, and then again, these all these pinball machines. I actually had to build a garage for my pinball machines because I just started collecting like a madman. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic hobby if you have the room, the time, and the money, which I don't have either anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing... I know you say, you're, you're, you say that you're not like a big collector, but you are. Yeah. Well, when I look at you guys and I see like pictures of your video collections and I see stacks and stacks of these games, that is a collector to me. You know, you collect the boxes, the art. That's fantastic. And I know a lot of people on YouTube love that. What I do is insanity. Nobody does what I do. You know, unless you have a business, this is a money pit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of collecting, but yeah. essentially, it's I'd say it's still the same. Well, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing it. We're gonna we're gonna go into a segment uh, hopefully later where we talk about collecting tips, and eventually, I'd like to hear more about like how you got started on the pinballs and like where you find them and how you work on them. So, I mean, sure. we've got lots to talk about hopefully in the course of, of this podcast. So, um, anything else, guys, uh, at the start of this venture that you guys want to mention? Well, you had mentioned that most of our first-time listeners are going to come from our fan base, which is all pretty much YouTube-based. And I know YouTube has done a lot of changes in the recent months, and I know you have some strong opinions on the vintage. So I'd like to ask you, what do you think of the new channel designs that are happening in YouTube, and how do you feel about it? Right. Well, first of all, I would like to say that, um, you know, YouTube is going to be, you know, a big part of our podcast, and... 
And I am a huge fan of YouTube, and I want to say that, you know, right up front. Because for, if not for that, I mean, I never would have met you guys. I would never would have met, you know, Gamester and, 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 you know, everyone else in the community and, and, and watched all of their, um, you know, amazing videos and, and all the stories and things that we all share that's kind of really bound us together. I, you know, I wouldn't want to miss out on that uh, in a million years. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much in debt to YouTube. I love being a part of the community. Um, and, you know, but every so often they, they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll do things that we don't like. And <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time on this cause it's, it's really pointless at, in, at the end of the day, but you know, they recently made some more changes. Uh, you know, they, they scrapped the channel designs again. They came out with, um, you know, with this latest one. And the whole thing about the channel comments is actually the thing that I dislike the most. Um, the rest of it, if I'm totally honest, it's kind of growing on me, but the channel comments, I don't think I've gotten like, I've maybe gotten one or two since they switched it over. And the reason is that it's kind of like hidden now. Yeah. Um, you know, in order to actually make the channel comment, uh, let's see. Well, you can post one. There is a spot that you can post it, but in order to read them, you have to click on feed, uh, and then you have to click on, like, you have to select the comments, uh, and then you'll be able to see, like, everybody else's comments. Whereas before, you know, right on the main page, like, you would, you would jump on, you'd be able to see, like, other people had posted, like, comments on the channel, you know, main channel. So that I kind of miss. Is there anything you do like about it? Um, you know what? I, I, I've got my, uh, I've got my featured... Uh, like tab set on the blogger style, and I actually, I actually do kind of like that mm -hmm. because it gives you, uh, you know, you've got your main player, you've got, you know, your videos uploaded videos there, and and I like it because it does have a bigger thumbnail, uh, and I also like how they've got the playlists on there, and then still you have the feature channels. Mm. Um, so it is growing on me. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to like. I guess I don't want to like complain too much about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where it always takes a while to get used to stuff. I mean, I, I'll probably get used to a lot of the things that are on there, but I don't know that comment thing is still still kind of a pain. But we'll see how it goes. They'll probably make a change in a couple months again, anyways. <laughs> All right, and, and, and the last thing on YouTube, and then we'll move on and and, and get into like some heavy gaming talk. Um, when are you guys going to be putting up videos again? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> well, for me, um, I mean, I, I posted my last video, I think it was maybe four months ago or something. And I just got a new job and I've been really busy and my computer was basically dying out on me. Uh, I couldn't edit. I, I brought my videos up in the software. I have probably eight to ten video footage of going out to thrift stores and flea markets and I recorded them and I put them in my computer and the audio would lag up and it was it was just atrocious so just recently in the past week I just got a brand new computer so that's gonna be up and running I can edit again now but uh, hopefully putting up a lot of reviews soon I've been playing some fun games and games I want to talk about so hopefully I'll be getting a lot more uh, starting starting in the next couple weeks now, to be fair, by the time this podcast comes out, you 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 di you are going to do a video where you where you basically explain like what's been going on and 
Yeah, yeah, I'll put that up because I've I've had some people writing thinking, oh man, where'd you go? Are, are you dead? I posted something on Twitter and someone says, oh, I thought you died, you know. So it has been a while since I put up a video. And I put one up four months ago, excited. I got a package in the mail from my buddy Mike over in Japan. He sent me sent me some gaming stuff and I put that video up. And I was excited to put videos up again because I just moved into my new apartment and the new job. And my computer just wasn't allowing it. So now I got a... A high-end computer. Uh, I already tested out the video editing software, and it it's so much smoother. It's going to be so much nicer putting together reviews and and any kind of videos. So how about how about you, John? John, you have a very good excuse why you haven't been yeah. making videos. I I have been lining the nest with feathers, uh, awaiting the new arrival coming. So I think uh, yeah, I'm going to have some videos coming out. Uh, maybe I'll have a, a video of the birth. I'm going to have that on. There. Um. <laughs> And, uh, and let, let's be honest, we had talked about, hey, what's going to happen if you have to go to delivery and it's podcast night where we have to record? And I said, you know, I could Skype in from the hospital room because I have an iPad with me. And I could do. But that aside, I, I am going to make some videos. And I, I remember Vintage said it a couple of days ago when we were talking, when you mentioned it to Jumble Junkie that you had pooled the resources of, of Dinky Dana and Mamecade to do a podcast. I think Tim said, Mamecade? Is he still making videos? And it's true. I've, I've been neglecting my fans, and I am so sorry. And a lot of guys have been really cool. Uh, I get texts. I get emails. I got a text today from a, a YouTube friend that said, uh, how's everything? What's going on? Uh, they, they are concerned. Uh, but once they hear that you know, you're having a baby or you're doing some life stuff, uh, everybody's very understanding. And I do promise to get on board and, and start cranking out the videos again and Joining this group is an attestant to that because I, I do plan on doing it. I thank you guys for getting me involved and getting the fire going again, which is really important. No problem. I'm, I'm always here to kick you in the pants, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're good at that too. And, and as for me, you know, I have like the, the most patient subscribers on earth because I'm, I'm always slow about doing my videos. And, you know, but I, I try to be consistent. I, I try to do at least one a month. And maybe two. And I do have a couple in the works. I have a game review coming out. I've got the footage is already done. I wrote the script. And it's just a matter of sitting down, doing, you know, editing it, everything all together nice. And I have a couple other things in the hopper. So, you know, doing this podcast, and I don't think we've mentioned this, but we're, we're going to shoot for, you know, doing it on a monthly basis. You know, it'd be great if we could do it like every week and, and put out content for everybody like all the time like you know um all gen and OKS they're, they're great at doing that but for us you know some at least John and I you know with families and things it's a little harder to find the time and Dinky's the playboy yeah <laughs> he's got the time right Dinky's th throwing wild parties constantly um oh <laughs> uh, yeah so <laughs> So actually, Dinky wanted Dinky wanted to do it more often, but we kind of strong armed him, yeah, um, and and told him, let's just try. We're you know we're gonna try do this on a monthly basis, and then you know maybe when things stabilize and if if people still are listening, maybe we could you know maybe we could <laughs> throw in some bonus episodes here and there if if people are still listening. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it I think it'll be a lot of fun. I mean. Uh, if if we want to do more in the future, you know, uh, I mean, you you have a kid coming and stuff, so that's not. I mean, that's obviously priority. So, uh, if if we have more time down the road, we'll we'll do a couple more. Here, here. 
Um, so we, we had some other stuff here where maybe we're going to talk more about YouTube changes, but John, I think we maybe we could come back to that another time. What yeah, do you think? that's fine. Um, because I want to kind of move into our next uh, segment, which which we're kind of just labeling as collection update. Um, and basically what this is, is we're just going to talk about maybe briefly games that we've picked up uh, or, you know, that we've added to our collection uh, or, you know, games that we have that we've been playing here and there. Um, so for that, let's go back to Dinky Dana. And what have you been up to, Dink? Uh, I've I've been picking up some games here and there, going to thrift stores, and I haven't been to the flea market yet. It's still been kind of cold over here in Pittsburgh. So normally with the flea markets, if it, if it's cold, you're not you're not going to find too many people there early in the morning. So at thrift stores, I've been getting some old. I got a couple box Nintendo games and things like that. But mostly what I've been playing is uh, more modern games. The first one that I finished, I'm not going to try and get into a big discussion about it, but everybody knows the issues with this one is Mass Effect 3. I picked that up and finally finished that about, well, a couple weeks ago, and I don't, I didn't think it was as good as 1 and 2. Uh, the game the game was pretty good. I, I really liked the gameplay and all that stuff, and the story was pretty good, but as, I mean, everyone's probably already heard the ending, I just thought was horrible. Um, there's a lot of issues with it. A lot of people are complaining and I, I was playing the game and I, I put it off. I had a lot going on at work and my cousin beat the game and he was, he was really bugging me to finish the game. He said, you got to finish this so we could talk about it. And I, th- I didn't think it was going to be as bad as people were making it out to be. And after I finished it and thought about it, it, it was borderline one of the worst endings I think I've ever seen. Wow. So, I mean, wow. it was so full of plot holes and contradictions and it was, the ending to me just seemed like it was so uncharacteristic of the series. But, I mean, it it didn't make the game overall terrible because the game was really good. It just kind of felt like, I mean, to me it felt like they, I don't know, maybe at the end decided they wanted a fourth game and threw a, threw a quick ending on. Right. But, um, I don't know, apparently they said that they're going to be releasing a free DLC sometime over the summer where they're going to add on to the ending. And I don't know if it's, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a new ending. It sounds more like it's going to be them enhancing the original ending. The guy, uh, they, they quoted, uh, they want to stay true to their developers' artistic values, which, to me, I mean, the ending was so bad, I don't know why they would want to have anything to do with it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I still enjoyed the game, and it, Mass Effect 1 and 2 were incredible. I, some of the best RPGs this generation. Um, another game that I downloaded... Wait, I wait, actually, wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on, hold on. I got a question <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Now, I just have to say, I think that is so lame about how they... Alright, so would they have come up with this with this DLC ending if everybody wasn't so up in arms about it? Or is this just a way that they're trying to save face right. and say, like, oh, you know, we don't want to piss everybody off because we want them to buy, like, Mass Effect 4? Well, my opinion on it, and, I mean, this is this is just my opinion. I don't know what they actually had planned. But all of the... A lot of the developers and they were saying that they had this ending that was I mean I'm not going to give any spoilers about the ending or anything like that but they said they had this ending that's going to be so so in depth and there's going to be so many options with the ending and they just didn't really live up to it mm-hmm. and 
honestly, for me, it feels like they were already planning this DLC, and they were going to charge for it, and then with all the uproar about it, it feels like they just were kind of forced into releasing it for free. Ah. I don't know if they had it developed. I mean, I'm assuming that it's just going to be cutscenes that add on to the original ending, so maybe they could develop that in such a short time, which it seems like they did with the regular ending anyways, but I honestly don't know. I mean, to me, it feels like it, it feels like they're just trying to get a lot of money out of DLC, and then they had such issues that they had to release it for free. That's possible. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully hopefully the ending... I mean, there were so many plot holes that, that I thought, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to cover those up. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay, yeah, sorry gonna... for the interruption. No, that's uh, what I was no, going to ask him, too. Do you feel that the release of the DLC is the right thing for the company to do, or should they have just move forward and say, this is what we have now. Sorry, guys. I think it's the only thing that they could have done. I mean, well, they could have just ignored everything and just just moved on with it. But, um, I don't know. I mean, when I finished the game and I heard that they might might have something additional at the end, I thought, you know, I mean, I I was pretty disappointed beating, finishing and putting, I don't know, what, 80 or 90 hours into the series, and then you get the ending that I personally didn't really enjoy, and a lot of other people didn't either. I don't know. It kind of felt like, um, I don't know, kind of like with Nintendo when they released the 3DS and you bought it day one. I, I bought it day one and then a little bit after they dropped the price significantly. So they, they decided to give you something free with it and gave you free download games and it kind of kind of made you feel a little bit better about the experience, you know. So, I mean, I'm happy they're releasing the free DLC. If if I had to pay for it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be buying it. But, I don't know, I guess I'll try and give them the benefit of the doubt that they actually thought that this was a good ending, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to convince myself of that. Mm. Cool. So I didn't want to get into too much about it because I know, I mean, there are people all over all over the Internet just making huge fuss about it. So it was, it was pretty bad, though. So it's... Wow. it's but we uh, want to hear what Dinky Dana thinks about it. <laughs> well, you heard it. <laughs> luckily, there luck- you have it, folks. Luckily, you didn't talk to me about what one or two days after. Oh, I was mad. I was thinking about it because when I originally beat the ending or saw the ending, I thought, eh, you know, that's not too bad. But then I went back and I thought about what had happened, and oh my goodness, I, I just wish I hadn't gone back and thought about it. I'm sorry, but I, I have a hard time picturing you as like being mad or like angry at all. Because you just seem like such a nice guy all the time. Yeah, I don't know. My my angry and mad isn't really breaking stuff and throwing things, but I, I can be very disappointed with games. I, I might not show it, but that was one of the worst ones. Face. That's that's one of the worst things that I've I've experienced with games in a while. Wow. <laughs> so, on to, on to better things. I've been doing playing a lot of downloadable games, which... Uh, I really love co-op games. I always play with my cousin, uh, and we always look for good co-op games. So the first one isn't really a co-op specifically. I mean, it's not your traditional co-op. But I downloaded Journey on the PlayStation Network, and this was the sequel to Flower, which was also downloadable on the PlayStation Network. I did a review for that, and that is one of my favorite games this generation. I loved it. They both cost $15, and I I thought Journey was a really good game. But I didn't think it was on par with with Flower at all. But the environments and the atmosphere and music was was really unique. It's a, it's a very unique game, and they had a somewhat co-op, 
where as you're playing through the game, you'll encounter random other players playing online. And the only way that you can communicate with these players is by pressing a button and you don't talk or anything. You just make a, make a sound like a, like a note. And that was the only way you could communicate with them. And I wasn't sure what to expect. But as I was playing through, characters would come into my world and you just interact with them. And it was really weird because it wasn't like any other interaction that I've had in games, really. Because you couldn't communicate with them hardly at all. But there was still a connection because you wanted to play along with them. And if you wanted to, you could just completely ignore them and leave. But uh, most of the people that I met through the game wanted to pair up and help each other. So that was that was a really good game. The only thing about it is it's only two to three hours long, so it's really short, but definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two other games. I got two other co-op download games. I got Dungeon Defenders, and this game, if you're looking for a co-op game, it is one of the one of the best I've played in a while. It's a mix between a, I guess, a tower defense and an action RPG. You, you have a build phase where you build towers to defend these crystals, and they send waves of enemies at you. And you build your defenses, and then the next phase, they blend it well, and you actually get to run around and fight in combat. So it's, it's not like a traditional tower defense game, because you actually get to interact while the enemies are coming at you. But it's co-op, four players, and it, it was a lot of fun. You get to upgrade your character, buy weapons, buy armor, and uh, split up your stats. What and system were you playing that on, Dink? It's a, I got it on Xbox Live. Um, most of the downloadable things that I get are on Xbox Live, if, okay. if I can get them on that. Because my cousin has the Xbox, too, so we always play it on there. But it's available on PSN. It's um, on iOS, Android, Steam. I think it's even on the PS Vita now. So you can get it on all kinds of things. Wow. And on Steam, I know they have a lot more... A lot more content. A lot of the things that get released on the Xbox Live, like like that and Super Meat Boy, they released a lot of extra content on the PC. So a lot of the times it's it's better to get it on the PC. But um, I don't know. It's a blast. If anyone if if anyone likes RPG style games where you build up your characters and you're looking for a co-op, definitely pick that one up. And then uh, another co-op one is. <laughs> this game is ridiculous. My cousin brought it up to me, and it's called Shoot Many Robots. And he brought this up to me, and I was like, I was like, what is that game going to be about? I had no idea. And, really? <laughs> well, I mean, I know you're going to shoot some robots. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so I go on, and I look up video of it, and it's basically a mix between Contra-style, Metal Slug, and some RPG elements. You run around and obviously you're shooting many robots. And there are just swarms of robots coming at you. And you go through, it's a running gun. And it's it's just like just like all the running guns everybody knows and loves. Mm. But you get to also build up your character and get money and buy new weapons and armor and stuff like that. So I'm still playing through it. I haven't finished all the levels, but we're having a blast with it. It's a lot of fun. Both of these games, you can uh, the Dungeon Defenders and the Shoot Many Robots. You can play with four people online or local, I believe. So if you're if you're having friends over, I mean, it's a lot of fun to get all your friends together and build up characters together and all that. And uh, Dungeon Defenders really requires a lot of a lot of strategy with with other people. So it's going to be a lot more fun if you play it with somebody else rather than by yourself. Huh. So cool. Those are the games I've been playing. Pretty much. I also, <laughs> I got a lot of uh, Sega Master System games over the past two months. My buddy 
hooked me up with some of them. He found them out at the thrift store, and I was playing Michael Jackson's Moonwalker on the Master System. Nuts. Classic. Oh, I, I had always heard about uh, the Sega Genesis one, and I didn't even know it was on the Master System. So he gave me this box with games, and it had 10 to 12 games. It even had the 3D glasses for it, so that was kind of cool, putting them on and playing some games with that. But, man, is that a weird game, the Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> you're going around saving little kids out of doors, and and then at the I mean, you're, you're doing, like, his dance moves, and you're, and you're playing to Michael Jackson's music in 8-bit which was awesome. I had a lot of fun with that. And then you get towards the end, and the game just completely changes. You turn into this big robot, and it, it was just ridiculous. And it, it got so hard. I'm so glad I had Infinite Continues, because it was, it was really tough towards the end. Wow. Well, had you seen the movie ever? The video. The, the movie. Oh, the movie, right. right. No. Because Dinky. Because that's what that's what it's the game is based off of the movie. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. And that's what happens. Like he turns into this big robot at the end. It's ridiculous. I'm definitely gonna have to check it out then, because I was like, "What on earth is going on?" You know what? I actually think it's a decent movie. Like, (laughs) I I haven't seen it in many many years, but I remember being entertained by it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely check it out. I didn't even know there was a movie. I didn't know why he's turning into a robot. I just know that the boss seriously kicked my butt for, like, an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it's probably on Netflix, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Hey, Vintage, do you remember that thing Michael Jackson did for Edcott Center in Disney World? He was like... Captain EO. Captain EO. That's, that's something else you should check out on YouTube. Weird. I, I, I actually... Yeah, I actually went... I actually did that when I was a kid. I mean, I can't remember the concept at all. I all I remember is Captain EO, and it was like I think it was in 3D or something mm. back in the day. Nice. <laughs> but you, you know, you guys know like how many times like I had before Michael Jackson passed away. Like how many times I thought to myself like I need to I I should really pick up these games on on the Master System and the Genesis and. I passed him up so many times, and yep. wouldn't you know it, and funny story, like, the way that I found out Michael Jackson died, do you know how? No. no. How would I know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was thinking, how would I know? <laughs> you don't? No. <laughs> uh, I was at Radio Shack, and all of a sudden I get a text message, and it's from Gamester81. Nice. <laughs> and it just says, Michael Jackson just died. <laughs> and I'm like, Really? Does Gamester81 have to be involved in everything in the world? Apparently, apparently he is. He's spreading news and all kinds of reviews. Now, I don't think that he just sent that to me. I think No, it was only only to you. It was especially sent to you. You know, I, you know, I never asked him. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll find that out. But it would be so weird if it actually was just to you. I know. Bizarre. (laughs) You know, you know what is weird is that you know. There's another major event in recent history that happened that John and I share a story. John, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, John, I, me, John, or Gamester? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Mr. Mame Cave. Oh, we share something? What are we talking about? W- what major event ha- has occurred like within the last year or so w- that involves you and me somehow? Dude, I'm like five glasses into Jack Daniels. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, I'll give you a hint. We were talking on Skype at the time. <laughs> oh, boy. I have no clue what we're talking about. 
You don't remember this? We were talking on Skype. It was you and me, and we were talking with Tiger Claw TV. I remember that day. Okay. That's and then something happened while we were talking. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Osama bin Laden was uh, killed, wasn't he? Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I'll never forget. There's certain things I'm never going to forget. John, John Somehow, <laughs> I, listen, whoever's listening out there, we're responsible. Tiger Claw... Vintage video game and, and me all talking somehow led to Osama bin Laden finally being put down. It was this winning combination. Yeah. I think I was watching was watching the news as we were talking, and I broke it to you guys on Skype, right? Gamester didn't get on that one fast we, enough. We actually snubbed him on that one. We beat him on it. You know what? I didn't get a text message about that from Gamester. Wow. Oh, wow. boy. <laughs> All right, we're, we're we're really off topic. Now. All right, so John, John, what have you been up to? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> listen, I've I've been all kinds of busy. Let me tell you, um, but I have been playing some stuff. Uh, I just recently downloaded on uh, Xbox uh, something called Skull Girls, and uh, Vintage is always on me because he always says I have my head in the gutter and I'm always <laughs> looking at too much porn or whatnot. Yeah, and, you're a you're a pervert. I don't know why you say that. What have I ever done to you to make you think that? There was, there's subtle hints in your in some of your reviews. Dude, you're the one. Like snowball bought, microphone. You're the one who first bought a snowball mic. I, okay? <laughs> uh, those in the know, I rest my case. I like uh, seeing, I'm sorry, I but like I... I no, hey. <laughs> I like seeing those emails going back. John, up. remember this yeah. is a clean podcast. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Uh... So anyway, I got this Skull Girls. I'm going to be clean here, and it's it's a little on the cartoony side, and it's about uh, young women basically fighting Street Fighter style, and everything we loved about Chung Li accentuated. So I'm just getting into it, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's kind of it kind of reminds me of uh, Marvel versus Capcom and in those kind of fighting styles, and you have little weapons and whatnot. So I've just gotten into that, and that makes me smile it really does i like seeing stuff like that wait what is this called skull girls skull girls yeah and it's kind of like um i guess they're monopolizing on the whole uh, teenage girls wearing skulls and pink and goth kind of thing uh and uh I had some credit, so I ended up getting that game because I like the fighters. And oh I, yeah, no, I'm watching it right now. Right, okay, cool. I like animation. I'm a big animation fan, and anything cartoony, I actually like it. So I said, let's see what this looks like. So um, it's it's fun to watch. It's, it's certainly fun to play. I mean, it's an it's an old take, um, but it still feels a lot of fun. It's a good game. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that. That's like the latest thing I've picked up, plus some iPad games that I'm uh, putting together right now for other stuff and reviews that I'm going to be doing down the road. But uh, that's about all I've got on that front. My turn? Yeah. What are you playing? All right. Well, first I'm going to talk about some pickups that I got. Um, I went to... Let's see. Where did I get these? Well, I went to Play and Trade. A lot of people know I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, I don't really go a whole lot maybe only a couple times a year and um so i recently went like a few weeks ago and i picked up some things and i'm kind of debating whether or not i want to do like a, a pickups video on that eh i don't know people love pickups it pickups well i you know i'm i'm on the fence about them myself i think it i think it depends and i 
you know, I want to try to, if I do it, I want to do, like, I want to throw in some gameplay, you know, in there to kind of spice it up a little bit. So, we'll see. I, I might do something like that. But, so, I, I picked some of the games that I recently picked up I wanted to share with you guys. Um, first one I got is Paperboy for the N64, <laughs> uh, which, you know... It's really, it's actually pretty cool. It's like, it's kind of like a redesign of, you know, Paperboy, but it's done like in a different way. What do you mean? Well, it's like, it's in, it's like kind of like, it's in 3D and it's kind of like, almost like polygon graphics. And it, it's it's different. It's like a, a different take on, you know, the way you think of, of like the arcade or even the NES or even I think is there is it on Super Nintendo too? I'm not sure. I played it a lot on the Nintendo. Yeah, but anyway, you know, I, I picked this up for five bucks and I played like the first couple levels of it. And and you know what I like about it the most is you can actually aim where you're throwing the uh, the the papers now. <laughs> Does it give you a crosshairs or something? It gives you like a little arrow. Huh. And it it actually works really well. Um, you know, you use the. I, I think you use like the analog stick or whatever on the N64 controller, and and uh, so it actually makes it a lot more fun. Um, but they didn't change the gameplay. Like you still have to throw papers for the customers and then vandalize the non-customers. Same thing. It's totally Paperboy, but you know the graphics are different. I I think they're good, and yeah, it's same thing. Like you know you try to throw the papers in the. Um, mailbox or like at the front door and then you can actually like target people and hit them with papers and stuff. Okay. Was, so yeah. it's pretty good. Um, uh, another one I picked up for the Super Nintendo was Ultraman. Um, th- this I only paid like two ninety nine for. And, and, and the reason why I got this is because I recently read Ready Player One. I was, I was thinking about downloading that. Oh, you know what? I know a lot of people are downloading it. It's pretty expensive. It's like upwards of around twenty six bucks yeah. for the for the audiobook. I got the card copy at um the hardcover at Walmart for like thirteen bucks. And I read through it literally in like three days. Like yeah. a couple hours, you know, maybe like an hour a day. And I like I read through the whole thing. Mm. And it's awesome and, and I mean some people, you know, some people like the convenience of the audiobook. I would I would say get the hard copy because when you're reading it, you kind of will your your mind is going to is going to create the the world, you know, for you and like all the characters and everything. I, I don't know. For me, I think it's a richer experience when you read it. Plus I like to have physical things. Yeah. Like I like to have the book, you know, <laughs> in your hand, yeah. That's the collector talking, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, no spoilers, or whatever. But Ultraman is 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 one of the things that shows up in the book, along with like, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it by now. But it's like a book about all like '80s references, and it takes place in the future. But it's basically like a a, a love letter to the '80s, growing up in the '80s, and playing like D and D, and playing all these all these classic video games, and like anime characters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, next I, I picked up a PlayStation One game for two ninety nine, and this is Command and Conquer on the PlayStation, and it's a it's a two disc set. 
And this was a this was an awesome game that that I first played on the PC Me when too. I was in in college. Yeah. And I popped this in, and and it works with the PlayStation mouse, which is really nice. And I swear, this is like it, it's like a direct port of a PC game on the on the PlayStation, like from the opening cutscenes, like to the 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 gameplay and everything. And actually, I think the music is is actually improved on this somehow. I could be wrong because it's been a while since I played it on PC, but. I mean, for three bucks, like this is this this was a pretty good buy. Uh, so if you guys like like that real time strategy, I mean, Command and Conquer was like really one of the first type of these games that I ever played. Um, and then I've got uh, let's see on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I'm not a huge handheld guy, but I do have through. I'm not. GBA is awesome. Well. Yeah, I mean, I have through GBA, and then I stopped. Um, I don't have, like, any DS or anything like that. Right. Oh, you should get one. N- Definitely. The, the Nintendo <laughs> DS is really it's good. It's too new for him. Well, even, you know what? I don't the original want... <laughs> Nintendo DS. The, he can be a, a generation late and just pick up the regular Nintendo DS, because they have some uh... really good games on there. But I don't like two screens. So take take a post-it note and cover one screen. <laughs> Yeah. And play the other one. <laughs> I'll, I'll consider it. Okay. I'm going to get you one for Christmas. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to break one of the screens and just give it to you. <laughs> Snap off. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the whole stylus thing. It's just it's just a big turn off. Well, a lot of games you don't need to use a stylus. I mean, it, it depends on what you're trying to play. You'll like um, it. Maybe I'll pick one up at like a Goodwill or something. Yeah, you can. I see them at the. I see them at the thrift stores all the time now. If you want to get just a regular uh, DS. Oh, um. So I do like. I do like my Advance. Um, and I picked up Double Dragon Advance, which is is basically a, a an, an enhanced version of the original Double Dragon. It's really cool. It's like playing the arcade, but with like. Upda- it's updated graphics. So it's Double Dragon 1, not 2. Right. It's Double Dragon 1, and, like, they kind of redesign, like, you know, Jimmy and Bimmy, you know, the main characters. Right. <laughs> um, and they kind of made them a little more, like, they look kind of more like anime style. Um, but, I mean, it's all there. The gameplay, the moves, the music. It's and it's just, it's basically like Double Dragon 1, but better. Wait a minute, I have to ask you that. When you get to the end, did they keep it the same at the end, where you have to fight each other for the girl? I didn't get that far. Oh, I'd be curious to see if they <laughs> kept it true all the way through to the end. I'm sure they did. Yeah, but I, would, I, I want to say they did. I mean, I played like the first couple le- levels, and it was basically like what I remember from the arcade. Okay. So, yeah, I I think you know maybe one day I'll do a review of that because it's a pretty pretty good one. Maybe a listener could uh, text us or email us or Facebook us or Twitter us and let us know if that's true if they've gotten to the end. Yes, at, at the end here we'll talk about all of our uh, various ways of communicating with us. Skyrite. <laughs> Carry. All right, um, a couple more PlayStation game PlayStation twos that I want to get through. Um, there's this one I got for five bucks, and I'd never heard of it. Um, it's called Bujingai, the Forsaken City, and I'm probably really mispronouncing that name. 
Um, but this is game was made by... It looks like it, it, it's a, a Taito game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically like... From what I can tell, it's like a hack and slash type of a thing. So... But it really looked good to me. Like, I, I, I popped it in to test it out. And, like, it basically throws you right into the game. And you're, like, fighting these guys... And, you know, you've got, like, your sword, and you're doing all these cool moves. And then, right after that, it kind of goes into, like, this intro sequence where there's, like, text and stuff. But, like, in the background, it's replaying the video of, like, you fighting. Oh, that's cool. From, like, just, that just happened. Nice. And, yeah, the way that they presented the, the beginning of it, like, it really intrigued me, so... Do you know how I don't to, know how anything sp- else about the game? How do you at all? spell that, Bujin? How, yeah, that? it's uh, it's B U J I N G A I. Cool. The Forsaken City. Um, and it's, it says it's by um, Tato Red Entertainment and Bam Entertainment. Came out in two thousand four, I believe. But anyway, I don't know much about it. It may totally suck, but it, it, it just captured my attention at the beginning. Um, you know what? I'll just mention one more, and then I'll kind of move on. Um, picked up a, a, a shooter on the PlayStation 2 called Raiden 3 uh, for 5 bucks. Yeah, Raiden's are fun. What's that? They're, they're fun games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know what? I've never played one before, and I'm not a huge. I'm not like a big shooter person either. But I've been watching a lot of videos by Future Matt Five. I don't know if you guys know him. He's he's over in, in uh, the UK, and he's like a shooter fanatic, and he's a really cool guy. And he does all kinds of reviews on like Saturn, um, uh, shooters and whatnot. Oh, the Saturn has so many good shooters. Oh yeah! What a good system for that, but uh. so yeah, I I, I kind of like anytime I see something that's cheap that looks halfway decent, I I picked it up, and so this this is a pretty this is a really neat game like for shoot 'em ups. What, um, what year was that Raiden released? Uh, this came out in two thousand seven, I oh, believe. Okay. Um, and it, I think it was an I think. I don't know. It might have been an arcade game, and they like ported it over. Well, there was a lot of Raidens. You know, there was the original. There was Raiden Two, and then I think they skipped a Raiden Three, and they went to Raiden DX. So I'm, that's why I was asking: Is it you know the Raiden DX, and it was named Raiden Three for the? the- mm, no, I think this is a separate game because I remember looking up on the internet. Like I was curious what the series was, right. and. There are not too many... I don't think there are other ones. This might be the only one that came out in the U.S. Okay. Um, I don't know. I could, again, be totally wrong. I'm just talking off the cuff here. Right. But, all right, so th- those are my recent pickups. And, and briefly, I did want to mention that I started to play MAME. <gasps> uh, thanks in part to MAME-Cade. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he actually, like, I finally decided, like, I wanted to try, you know, MAME, because there are some games that, there are some games that you can get that have been ported to, like, you know, like, the PS2 or whatever, like, you know, there's, like, those different, um, compilations, you know what I mean? Like, Capcom Classics or the Midway Arcade Classics or whatever, 
But there are other games that I had been thinking about lately that I really wanted to play. And so John helped me out. Um, he kind of directed me, like, you know, um, how to set it up. And so I actually played through um, RoboCop and uh, Superman Arcade. Yeah, you have a love fest with Superman Arcade, don't you? You know what? I I, I really I really had good memories playing that, and um, although now that I, you know, and I kind of gave Gamester some some crap about it because he was dissing the game really <gasps> bad, and I was like, what? And um, now that I've played it all the way to the end, like I will admit that it is like totally repetitive, um. But it, it still was fun. Like, I, I, I have to say, I'm still a fan of the game. Wait a minute. Isn't this the game where Superman cannot fly through a chain-link fence unless he kicks it or punches it? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> chain-link fence, people. Yeah. Eh, you know, I mean, one, one or two punches and it's done. I mean, I'd like to see you punch through a chain-link fence, John. I'm not Superman, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Super freaking man! Come on, it's in the name. <laughs> so I, I have to thank you, John, for helping me get set up on that. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to find out how big of a vintage video game geek you are. Being that you love Superman and you just said it. Player two, what color is Superman's costume? If the original is red and blue, what's player two? Yeah, the player two, I think, is red and white. I'll give that to you. It's red and gray, but I'll give it to you. Okay, all right. I, but, I knew that the main color was red. Yep. yep. <laughs> because I remember playing it in the arcade, and sometimes I would play as the red Superman, which, you know, isn't as good as, as the oh, real right. Superman. He can knock down fences. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that I've been playing, and I've been trying to get through this game for a long time, is God of War 2 for the PS2. I think I'm like six hours in. And I'm very much enjoying it. That with that game, I I played it up at college and I rented it, and I was really excited. I enjoyed the first one and I, I really liked the series. And I I rented the second one, and I was playing through it and having fun. I was playing with my cousin; he was watching, and we made it up. It's probably a, about where you are, where you're flying, and there are like other other creatures flying around you. And all of a sudden, there were no more creatures, and I was just flying. And there's, there's no, there were no obstacles, no nothing, and it just kept flying. I let, I let it go for about an hour. <laughs> it, it just kept flying, and then I shut it off and turned it back on. And every single time at that, at that point, it just kept flying into nothing. So I never finished the second one, but I, I do own it now. I should go back and finish that. But I, I did play the third one too, and it was, it was pretty impressive. I always wanted to finish that second one, but oh well. I think you encounter, might have encountered a glitch there. Yeah, maybe a little bit. And I, I thought it would fix if I shut it off, but we tried a bunch of times. Did you blow into the cartridge? <laughs> yeah, I blew right into the PS2 there. <laughs> no, you have to lick the, the disc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But you just brought maybe, me back. Maybe that would renting, renting games. I mean, I can't rent a game anymore. Remember those days? Renting games? Yeah, I used to rent all kinds of stuff. I when I was growing up, I went into my parents' work and we had a a Nintendo. Well, they rented all kinds of stuff, but we always rented Mega Man's and and Adventures of Lolo. I remember playing that game a ton, and man, was it fun! You go in, you just go to look on the shelf and pick yeah. up a random one, and most of them, most of the time, you'd have a lot of fun with it. 
screw GameFly. Renting was the stuff. That's it. I had a, like a I had a Pickwick uh, up the street from my house, which I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. it it's basically like like a rundown Seven Eleven type of a thing. Okay. <laughs> or like a Piggly Wiggly. Have you ever heard of that kind of thing? No. Just picture like this really dirty convenience store. You're like next to a laundry mat. And you're going in and picking up some bad dudes. Well, the funny thing is, like, the, the the Pickwick actually, like, rented out video games. Like, it was weird. Like, <laughs> and I remember going in there and, like, one of the ones... And they, they were only, like, a dollar for, like, two or three days. And it was, like, a buck. I remember, like, I rented out... And they always had the worst games, too, you know? And the one I remember renting was Breakthrough for the NES. <laughs> I don't know if you... And all it is is, like, you just drive this car and you, like, jump over things. And it, it's, like, it's so bad. So bad it's good? No, it's not. It's just straight it, bad. It's straight up bad. And, uh, but I actually have, I, you know, I actually have it now as part of my collection just for nostalgic purposes. That's what I do. There's some games that I rented growing up and they, they weren't good at all. But I still, I still want to find them. But I just, they weren't good. So I don't remember what the names were, you know? Mm-hmm. What's that game that you're on an epic quest for, Dinky? Sammy Lightfoot. On there you the go. Coast. If anybody can find Sammy Lightfoot, was it for ColecoVision you want it? For Commodore 64. Commodore. I have the ColecoVision. Right. Uh, my brother actually just found me a boxed copy of for the ColecoVision, which is the more valuable version, but I, I'm still in, in search for the Commodore 64. So if anybody can get Dinky a copy, he will pay through the nose. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I've asked so many people. I asked people out of the Classic Gaming Expo out in out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Nobody had even heard of it. Nobody knew what it was. They were like, what, what are you even talking about? I don't even think it was on their... They have those carts that... Uh, I forget what they call multi-carts or something. They have all the games for systems on there. Yeah. I don't even think it was on that multi-cart. So it, I don't know if it's really rare or what, but... Wow. Now, are, are are you sure it actually is a real game on this Commodore 64? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Wow. It just yeah, sounds I've, so I've, strange. I've, I've seen pictures of it. It's a it's a brown cartridge instead of the blue one for the ColecoVision. Dude, I've seen yeah. pictures of Bigfoot, too. Doesn't mean it exists. <laughs> hey, I only, had the, I only had the Commodore 64 back then. I have my grandma's. I never had a ColecoVision growing up, so right. I missed out on that one. But, yeah, if anyone sees it, let me know. Or is he? Or has even heard of it? <laughs> I've only heard of it from you. Yeah. But I, I will keep my eyes open. Yeah, all those people at the Classic Gaming Expo. I figured if anyone was going to know, someone out there would know it. But they didn't. Mm. I did find a, a ROM for it one time. I played it on a ROM. That was fun. For Commodore? Yeah. Speaking of Commodore, I think we're we're going to uh, we have a little news about that 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 John's going to bring us. But before we get to that, um. We're going to go into uh, another section of our podcast where we're going to do audio game reviews. And this is when uh, each of us will just pick a game that we feel like we want to talk about and and to let you guys know um, whether we think it's something worth playing or maybe it's something that you want to avoid. Um, And so we're going to be talking about, like, you know, anything from, like, arcade games to you know, classic consoles, all the way up to modern games, you know, to include PC and iOS devices. Uh, So, for our first game, uh, we're going to have Dinky Dana talk to us about 
Eternal Darkness. Alright, now, I I got this game when it first came out on the GameCube, and a couple facts about it. It was developed by Silicon Knights, and originally it was going to come out for the Nintendo 64, but they pushed it back, and it was released in America on June 24th, 2002, and it actually came out here first. And I have never played a game like this before. And when I first played it, it, it had just come out, and I didn't read anything about it. I didn't know anything about this game. And as I was playing, it, it's... As I tell you what this game's about, just imagine me playing it for the first time when I was younger and not expecting any of this stuff. It was the first game that was published directly by Nintendo, not as a third-party title for Nintendo, to have a rated M for mature rating. And for Nintendo, I mean, usually their games are, you know, colorful and friendly, but this one is completely different. It's a horror game, almost a horror adventure, and just real brief story that I'm not going to go into too much, but the game revolves around the character Alexander... Alexandra Roivas, and basically you're investigating your grandfather's mansion, and you're trying to figure out what happened because he got murdered, and you go to this mansion and you're exploring through it, and you discover this tome, and as you pick up the tome, you teleport, I guess, or travel through time to ancestors who have also interacted with this tome, and you go through 12 different characters over all different time periods. Wait, what is a tome? It's a book. Yeah, it's a book. It's like it's an ancient book with all kinds of all kinds of uh, stories and the history, basically, of what was going on for the story and the plot of this game. So as you as you go through, you actually play the game as these other ancestors, and it it takes place during all different time periods. But what makes this game so interesting and why I love it so much is they had. A thing that they actually patented, Nintendo patented this insanity meter. And just like other games where you have a health meter, if you take damage, you would lose your health and after a while you would die. Where in Eternal Darkness, you would have an insanity meter. And as you took damage or encountered strange strange monsters or situations, your insanity meter would go up. And you would slowly become more and more insane. And as I was playing through the game, I didn't know anything about it. I, I, I don't even think I read the manual. So I'm playing through and I'm running into characters. And, or not characters, monsters and all kinds of just horror situations. And you start seeing these weird things happening and you feel like your character is actually going insane. And this insanity meter, they Nintendo patented it. And their, their explanation, I pulled up a clip from their patent and it says the human mind is somewhat fragile control system when circumstances beyond imagination are encountered the brain must attempt to uh, attempt to understand the improbable and impossible as reality sometimes it's just too much for the individual to handle in these instances insanity may take hold of the individual temporarily disabling them or forcing the person into a catatonic state so they had all these regulations in this patent that the interactions that would happen in this game and basically exactly what they said there would happen to you. And not only to your character, when you're playing the game, you feel like there's something wrong with the game or the system or all kinds of things go on. The first thing 
that I was playing through. I'm I'm going through and I ran into a situation and I'm playing in the dark and I have headphones on so I'm listening to the stereo. And there's this there's I see a fly on my screen and it's bugging me. I'm waiting for it to fly away. And eventually I just got so sick of this fly. And I'm I'm like, what is this? I got to get up and swat this thing off. I go up to swat it off and it's in the game because my insanity meter had gone up and my character was going insane and it started messing with my head. And so I, I get up and I try to swat the fly off the screen, and I mean it's it's in the game, so obviously you can't do that. But they had tons of all tons of different things that they implemented in this game. They would have skewed camera angles that mess with your perception. You'd be walking down hallways, and if you were insane, the hallways just wouldn't end, and they would just keep going. Another thing I really remember is, oh, I, I remember everyone always dreads losing their save files, and I was playing through this game and. I made it I made it to one point where there were so many enemies that you just couldn't survive and the screen flashed and it went to the save screen and I went to save my game and an error came up and said there's corrupt data on your memory on your memory uh memory uh stick, oh, stick. or card yeah back then memory card so I'm sitting there panicking and the only option you have is to click okay and they're going to reformat your entire memory card <laughs> And I'm playing, and I had no idea what was going on. And I, I sat there for probably 10, 15 minutes. I did not want to press that button. <laughs> and then finally I decided, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. So I pressed the button, and it flashed, screen flashed white, and your character's sitting there shaking her head and says, what is going on? And, I mean, just the experience of playing through the game and feeling like you're actually going insane, there's no other game like it. I read some things on, uh, I was looking up on GameFAQs today, and some kid posted, posted a comment, and he said, he was, he was completely serious, asking why the, what was wrong with the game, and his disc was broken, because he would be <laughs> playing, and his TV would just turn off. And he said, I could play Resident Evil, and my TV doesn't turn off. What's wrong with this, with my system? And hey, it's all you, just did, the game messing with you, so. Did, did and, you find anything in your research of people actually returning the game because they thought it was broken? Well, that's what he was kind of saying. He he said, "Why would I guess that's why somebody took it to the store and returned it?" Awesome. You know, and he, and he was gonna take it back. I don't know if he did or not, but I mean, there I have seen no other games like this. It's a completely different style of horror than I've ever experienced. And and they patented the insanity meter, so I don't know if there when there would be another game like it. But they did also the the developer, the creator said that he is interested in making another one and. Nintendo just picked up the rights to make another one just recently. So I'm really looking forward because especially with 3D, I can't even imagine having a 3D fly or something like that. It would just be it would just be crazy. But definitely if you like horror games, check this one out. It's it's one of the most unique games on the GameCube. Definitely one of my favorite horror games, probably pro maybe even my favorite. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how scary was it on the horror meter? When you said you uh, well, were a young kid. Were you actually frightened at any point? Well, generally, I haven't really gotten too scared with horror games, but it'll definitely make you jump. Not not quite as much as the the dogs in Resident Evil or anything, but right. I mean, in in terms of messing with your head, yeah, it it was it was pretty pretty creepy more than scary, I guess you could say, because you really did not know what was going on. You would die, and it, there would be swarms of enemies, but they're not real, so. If I was going to replay the game again, 
I would probably intentionally get hit and have my life low for the entire game just to experience all the all the weird weird quirks they have in it. Ah, cool. And it's and it's not very expensive. Um I mean, I've seen it out at stores for 15-20, so hmm. Yeah, I I uh I, I'm I totally want this game. I I went on eBay and I I bid like six bucks for it, and someone just outbid me. So well, if I see one out of the flea market, I'll start going to them and I'll I'll ship it over your way. And it actually it got a ninety two out of a hundred on Metacritic. So, um, I mean back then it it got good reviews, but it didn't necessarily sell real well. So, I don't know. I'm really hoping for a sequel, especially on the modern consoles. It would probably be on the Nintendo Wii uh, Wii U. So. I don't know. Hoping for it. You think it was ahead of its time, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I would have never even considered that they would be able to do that in a game. I mean, it was it was so bizarre to me. And especially having no idea going in. I mean, I, I try and get people to play this game as much as possible. It's just, it's just such a unique game. So that's a thumbs up from you. Definitely. Yes, definitely. So who's up next? Vintage, you want to do one? Uh, I was going to ask John, actually. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm, I am going to focus on an iOS game, uh, specifically for the iPad. And uh, the name of this game is The Dark Meadow. And if you are familiar with Infinity Blade, this was the game that everybody said you have to play on the uh, iPad to get the full effect and to see what the iPad can do. You have to play Infinity Blade. And uh, this game follows in Infinity Blade's footsteps. So if you're a fan of Infinity Blade, you probably will enjoy this game. If you don't know what Infinity Blade is and you play this game, you're, you're, you're not going to miss anything. This is a very, very uh, solid game in its own right. Basically, uh, it's one of those games where you wake up and you don't know exactly where you are scenarios. In this case, you're going to wake up inside a dilapidated, uh, insane asylum. And you're... Uh, by yourself for a while, and then you run into an old man who's going to become the the voice of reason and guides you throughout the game on a PA system, very much like uh, Gladys does in Portals. So the point of the game is you're lost and trying to figure out what are you doing here and whatnot, and these demons will appear in the hallways, and you are armed with a crossbow that you can pick off the demons as they approach and they shamble towards you and all scary. And it's kind of interesting. We both picked the horror genre. Uh, they're, they're pretty good looking. I don't think they're necessarily as impressive looking as the monsters in Infinity Blade, but they're fine in their own right. The world itself is gorgeous. They Both games use the Unreal Engine and they make good use of, of the graphics the music is good, and the voiceover from the old man on the PA system is really good. And if there's anything that makes this game shine better than Infinity Blade, it's the fact that the old man is very witty, and at first you think he's giving you the best advice, and then you realize this guy's a little crazy, and some of the stuff that he says makes no sense. And then you realize you may have been following some guy's advice that is not the right thing to do. But you learn that later on during the game. And I'm not going to give away anything specifically in the game, but it's it's a a good voiceover pick and it only adds to the experience now as far as what's missing when you fight these creatures as I said you can shoot them with a crossbow and they dodge and they move out of the way and when they get right into your face you use a sword and the mechanics of fighting is, is almost identical to Infinity Blade except Infinity Blade I think you can parry a blow and this one you can't so you're dodging and you're ducking 
and then you're hacking and slashing. The problem is, after a while, that gets very repetitive, and there's a lot of it. So that's a bad point. And as you go through the game, you're following this wispy, ghost-like girl who appears to be in no clothes, but she's very translucent, so you don't see anything. And the old man refers to she's coming, she, so she's the villain somehow. Uh, and when you finally encounter her, you have to fight her. And if you die, you go back to the first room that you appear in. And you start all over again, very much like Infinity Blade. It's the same general premise. The formula is not any different. Uh, then you go through and build up until you can finally maybe confront her. The story is good. The plot is good. The music, the atmosphere is really good. The old man is great. Um, do I like it better than Infinity Blade? I'm going to put it slightly below. I think the textures and the monsters in Infinity Blade are more impressive. Um, I'm not too crazy about the demons. They they miss a little something. They're freaky looking. They're like this mismatch of all kinds of body parts put together. But I do like the other one. And I'm a little biased because I'm a kind of a sword and sorcery kind of guy. So the other one appeals to me more than the horror one does. But again, I'll, I'll give it props when it needs it. It, it definitely has a good storyline and it does beat Infinity Blade's very simple storyline. Um, is it scary? Not really. Um, it's scary in the fact that they're gross creatures and but nothing's going to jump out at you and really frighten you. Is it expensive? The game is $5.99. I think that's on the costly side for an iOS game. Would I say it's worth it? Barely. Barely worth it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I mean, I don't know I, I would have paid $5.99 if I knew it was so similar to Infinity Blade. Uh, if, if there was anything that was really different, I would have definitely approved it and said definitely worth $5.99. The engine, the graphics are great. But uh, for that price, it's a bit steep. It, I would watch it for a price drop. And if it goes even a dollar less, that definitely grab it. If it becomes $4.99 or anything below that, without a doubt, grab it. Uh, I'm still playing it. It's, it's enjoyable. It gets a little repetitive. I'm hoping there's going to be something at the end that I could you know, redeem the game. But it's not a bad game. And that's my stamp on that. It's not a bad game. If you can get it below $5.99, it's worth it. So I have a couple questions. Shoot. So this old man, yeah. like, is he like a real old man or? Yeah, no, he's uh, an old bald dude. Uh, you see him in the beginning for a little bit, and then he's gone, and then he becomes a voiceover on the PA, and he says something to the effect, "I don't think they'll mind if I use their PA system." It's kind of weird. <laughs> so it's all creepy and stuff, and then he'll say weird banana things, and I can't remember what he says, but some weird stuff, and then you realize, oh, uh, maybe he's <laughs> nuts. This. Yeah, right. And then, you, you know, throughout the game, you grab money uh, and gems that you can then go to the store and buy upgrades. Again, I, I neglected to mention that, but it's, you know, the Infinity Blade, you know, formula. You can buy upgrades, which then will increase when you go up in levels that you can raise your stats to fight things. And then as soon as you raise your stats, you'll see a message that says, your strength is attracting harder monsters. Well, that's great. Yeah. Just <laughs> what I want, right? Well, so, I noticed. I noticed with Infinity Blade, it is they are. I'm, I'm assuming that this one would be very similar. They are games that cater to people who like to build up and who like to who like to build up their characters and level up. Because when I played Infinity Blade, that was part of the fun. Which I don't know. I 
is is that the same with this one where if you like building up over and over again and leveling your character and getting more powerful is it the same kind of format as they had in Infinity Blade? Exactly the same. And when you die, you go back to that starting room again, which the excuse yeah. they use is there's a window there and you can look out the windows. They can't come into the light, so you're safe in this room. <laughs> but once you go into the hallways, you're fair game. <laughs> so what is the goal of the game? Like, why, why, why doesn't your guy just like walk out the front door? You can't find it. You can't find it. I mean, hell, I'd jump out the window if I could, but they won't let you. Yeah, they can't come in the window, and you can't go out it. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, right. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so you can't just do that. No, it, it is. In fact, it's not even a free-roaming game. You'll see the hall, and there'll be, like, a little hot spot that glows. You click it, and then you walk to it. And then you can look around that little area only, see if there's any money hidden, a gemstone that you could use, and then move on to the next one, if nothing arises from the ground and attacks you. So yeah, it's not even a free-roaming kind of game. I was looking up a video of that, and it's the same as Infinity Blade, but it's almost like a point-and-click with, yeah. with the combat where you're combat. sliding your finger to, to interact when, in the fights. Yeah, it, it pays to make sure you don't have greasy fingers because you'll be sliding left and right, left and right, and you want everyone to, to work. Yeah. John, I have a request that, that you could... That if you would talk like the old man for the rest of this podcast... Dude, don't tempt me. Because if you want me to talk like the old man, I will certainly assist you in that. That that's actually really that's creepy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Save that for the Halloween episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the obligatory Halloween episode. So that by then that'll be like our uh what, like our sixth episode? <laughs> I know. Well, we might slip one or two in uh, in two weeks or something throughout that. I can't imagine we would stick with the format of one month if we were both, all three of us, hanging around doing nothing. Well, it depends. It depends, it depends right. on, you know, how much, you know, baby spit-up you have on yourself at the time. And <laughs> you're going to have a lot of diapers to change and things of that sort. Yeah, right. We'll play it by ear. And, and also, guys, like, you know, we're playing, we're playing to have guests come on the show eventually, but we, we thought, at least for the first couple, you know, we just wanted, wanted to be, like, the three amigos, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of actually just testing it out to see if I like these guys. What? Now is when you break out the old man voice. Not funny, vintage. <laughs> All right, and anything more on, on, on the dark meadow? Um, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, I do recommend it if especially if you can get it at a discount price and there's a lot of programs out there that will monitor uh, apps and tell you and they'll send you an email or a, a text message if that particular app that you want is dropped in price which this might be one of those All right, now, now you have to give us one don't you vintage i do i have one um so for my my kind of spotlight game uh for this podcast i've i've chosen to talk about a game called blood for for the PC, uh, and this is an old like 1990s uh, first-person shooter. Uh, came out in June of '97, and it actually runs on DOS. Um, and this game was initially developed by 3D Realms. Okay, uh, following the success of, you know, probably the game they're they're most famous for, Duke Nukem 3D. Which you know what I've never I, I have to confess I've never actually played. What? 
Doesn't surprise me, man. Doesn't surprise me. I, I totally missed the boat on on that. Um, but I have I have gone back and I actually have downloaded it on. I have it on GOG, um, good old games, which is GOG.com. Mm-hmm. So I do have it and I to- totally intend to play it. Now, but it's so funny because. Uh, John, what were you going to say? I was going to say, is that where we can get blood if we wanted to play it today? You would go to GOG.com? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, if you have never heard of that website, it's it's really, it's pretty awesome. Um, it's a site that you can go and um, basically you can download these, these old games and it's totally legal. Um, and it's usually really cheap, anywhere from like three to five bucks. You know, they have some... Some newer games on there that are a little bit more expensive, but you know, for the most part, you know, and they they're running specials all the time. So I actually picked up, you know, Duke 3D. Um, I picked up Blood and and the the there's actually a sequel, um, Blood Two, The Chosen. I picked those all of those up for two ninety nine each. Now something something real quick. Uh, we're talking about Duke Nukem 3D. Back when that was first out. When I when I first ran into it, I was in an um, an amusement park near where I live, and they had this area set up, and there were people crowded around, and I was wondering what it was, and I walked up, and they had this headset that you put on, and it was 3D. You could see it in the screen, and when you turned your head to the right, the guy, the character would look to the right, and you could see the other player over there, and I was. It blew my mind. I didn't understand, like, at all how that was working. And now, looking back at it, um, the YouTuber Alex Demoted, I don't know if you guys know him, he actually has one of these. And all it does is it has a little pin that sticks out. So when you turn to the right, your head hits this pin into a button that turns turns your character to the right. And then when you look left, it turns to the left. But back then, it was awesome. You would jump, and it would it would jump in the game up into vents and stuff, so... Was it for the PC though, or was it like, like was it like a different version? Honestly, I don't, I don't even know. I was, I didn't even know what was going on. I had never seen the game before. All right, stop interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to Blood, and <clears throat> yeah, B- Blood was actually built on what is called the Build Engine. I guess in in you know the the, the big four games uh, that were built on that engine were Duke 3D, um, Blood, and then Shadow Warrior, and Redneck Rampage. And the funny thing is, is that I've played you know those other three games, but I just never played Duke 3D. It's just like whatever was going on in my life, I missed that window of the first one. But uh, those other games are like really awesome. Shadow Warrior is kind of like a, um, it's like a you play like the samurai type of guy, like kung fu guy, and it's kind of like tongue in cheek. And they're they're all basically like first person shooters. Um, and then you know Redneck Rampage is kind of like again, it's like very tongue in cheek, and you play as like you know these redneck guys and go around like drinking beer and like shooting up stuff, and you know aliens come down and and invade, and that that's that's a review maybe for another day, but yeah, all all the games are basically built on the same engine, so they have similar you know graphics and whatnot, um, and so you know the story of the game. 
is is actually kind of weird. It's like it's pretty messed up. And like when I initially played this back in the nineties, I I just basically kind of didn't even care. I didn't. I just skipped through. There's like a cut scene in the beginning. And it's, like, this very, like, weird, like, you're in this cave, and there's, like, these four people, and there's, like, this, like, I guess this guy who's, like, supposed to be, like, some kind of, like, a god or something, like a pagan god. And so what ends up happening is, like, you play as this guy named Caleb, who was basically from the 19th century, and he was part of this cult, and he worshipped this, like, you know, weird god-type person. And eventually this god, like betrayed like his top four ranked people in the cult and like you were one of them so he like basically kills his lieutenants or whatever and so all of a sudden you like come back to life like the game starts out where you like basically like just step out of your grave and basically your mission is you're bent on revenge and you're you're gonna try to destroy this pagan god that you were worshiping like in your previous life so the whole game is like you're moving through all these levels and you're basically fighting off cult members and there's all these like weird like monsters and stuff so i mean the story is kind of weird but I mean, who cares? It's 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 basically all you need to know is it's it's a first person shooter in kind of the the vein of of Duke or like Doom. The time frame that it takes place is kind of ambiguous. They don't really ever come out and tell you like what when you're playing through, but it kind of has this kind of has like this 19 like 40s type feel to it. You go through all kinds of different areas. There's one level where it's like a a train you're on a train and another one is like a circus you know it's like you come upon like this like roadside circus and the level design is awesome and it's it's standard fare you know you go around you gotta you know kill enemies you gotta find keys unlock doors and uh you get all kinds of different weapons and you know standard stuff like your shotgun and and you know machine gun does it have bosses uh yes the bosses uh though are the way the game is set up is uh the main game has four episodes i don't know if you guys remember like back in the 90s like all these games were kind of like this like quake had like six episodes and like each episode had x amount of levels yep so same thing like for blood like if you bought the game it came with four level or four excuse me four chapters and each chapter had like eight or nine levels, okay? And then at the very end of the chapter, you would fight this boss. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, actually. Like, I- I've played through the first chapter. It-, it took me, like, every bullet that I had, like, on me to kill the boss. Like, <laughs> and and you, you, you don't really get any indication that you're, like, making any progress. <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there, like, unloading on this boss and, like, running away, trying not to get killed. And it, it, it basically went on for, like, 20 minutes, and, and finally, like, the boss died. Like, you know? I mean, all you see is, like, a little bit of blood coming out of him, so, like, you kind of know you're hitting him, but you don't really know how much damage you're doing. That adds to the excitement, though. I mean, the anticipation, you just want him to go down. And then after that, they came up with two expansion packs, so there were, you know, two additional chapters, so for a total of six. Now, if you buy the game on GOG dot com you actually will get you just pay the one price and you'll get all six chapters wow and and what's nice about it is like these guys have put this all they've packed it all together and what it does is it uses dos box mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and I have Windows 7, and it works great. I just, you, you download, you know, you actually will download, like, an executable. So you can have it, you can, like, burn it to a disk and keep it, like, as a backup or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all you do is you, you click on this executable, and it launches, you know, the program right right in your Windows and then you can go in there and kind of tweak, you know, some of the settings. But, I mean, I've found that it works really well. Like, I haven't had any kind of glitches. And the funny story about this game is that back in the day, I never was able to finish it because I played it my freshman year of college on on my roommate's um, pieced-together computers. Um, I mean, it worked well for what we needed it, but for gaming like it wasn't it wasn't the greatest yeah and there was always this one part in the game that like this one level i would get to and there was a statue of like a gargoyle and if you got too close to it it would turn into like a real monster and every time i would get near this one monster the game would like glitch out and totally like reset like the whole computer the whole computer would just restart (laughs) (laughs) so i was never able to beat the game and then when i found it on gog you know, like, I was so excited, I downloaded it and I played, like, all the way through and got to the end. And then I kind of, like, set it aside. Yeah. But I, eventually I'm going to go back and I want to play the rest of the five chapters. And I also want to, I also downloaded Blood 2, um, which I know nothing about. But I've got that, and again, I think I paid three bucks for each of them. And so it's definitely something, if you like 90s first-person shooters, I, I, I highly recommend playing it. How much? How much is it there, Vintage? I mean, I think right now you can jump on there, and it's probably four ninety nine. Bargain. Um, but what I would do, and th- these they go on sale all the time. Um, and what I would do is I would you know set up an account, and you can actually get emails like every week what the sales are, and I would wait till it goes down to like two ninety nine, and then you can pick it up. That's that's kind of what I did, but. I'd say it's still even, it's even worth the five bucks because the amount of content you get is like astounding. I mean, I mean, for me to play the first chapter was easily like I don't know, like four hours or something like that. So if you're getting, you know, if if each chapter is like four hours, you're looking at like twenty four hours of of gameplay. Yeah, those those games are fun to replay too. Yeah, and and all the levels are totally different, and the monsters are different, and the puzzles and stuff. So you can get a lot of mileage out of it. Now, John, the next thing was, uh, we kind of have a section where we're going to talk about news slash, like, hot topics. And, you know, we kind of had been going back and forth on what we wanted to kind of talk about in this part. But mm-hmm. but re- recently, something kind of came up. John brought up brought up something that happened. I thought it would be good, so I'll, I'll turn it over to him. Right. Okay, well, recently, on April 8th, 2012, Jack Tramall passed away. And you may say, who's Jack Tramall? Jack Tramall was the man that was instrumental of bringing the Commodore VIC-20, 64, and Amiga to the masses. Now, he was an extraordinary man. Now, the man came from uh, Poland, and uh, back in the day... He and his family were captured by the Nazi Germans, and they were brought to Auschwitz. He was separated from his mom. Him and his dad went to a different camp and were put to work. Grueling uh, conditions, his dad dies. U.S. soldiers come in and liberate the camp. He comes to America, joins the U.S. Army. There they teach him how to do some uh, 
basic equipment fixing and repairing, and they eventually get him a job repairing typewriters of all things. And he sets up shop in the Bronx in New York. Uh, he works on typewriters, gets very good at them, and then goes out to Japan and discovers that they're coming out with calculators. Uh, back then, they were called adding machines. And they were just getting into digital calculators rather than the old tape ones. And he invested some money into that, and he started a company called Commodore and released its first calculators with LED screens. And he was buying parts from Texas Instruments, which we may know is a big company that was making uh, semiconductors back in the day. And when they realized, TI, that is, realized he was making money, they decided to cut him out completely and go into the business themselves, essentially destroying what he had started. So he wasn't upset at that fact enough, but he sold that, raised some money, and got into um, the computer business and hired a designer called Chuck Peddle who convinced Tramal that he should be investing in computers. And this engineer, Chuck Peddle, decided to help him start the whole Commodore 64 process. What they did was they bought a company that was coming out with their own processor so they could eliminate the need for having to get a processor from a third party. And they put that MOS technology... Uh, specifically the, the, the 6520 pro, uh, 6502 processor into the Commodore, and it became a runaway hit. They introduced the VIC-20 uh, and then blew away the doors of the world with the Commodore 64. The competitors were losing money, specifically uh, Texas Instruments, on every computer just to keep up with what Jack Trammell was putting out. Now, I myself was an early adopter. I got the VIC-20 when I was a kid. I learned basic programming on it. It changed my life. I absolutely loved programming basic. I would do the Hello World, which everybody who learns how to program is the first thing they do. Then the Commodore 64 came out with colors and sounds. Fantastic. I think I stuck with the Commodore 64 until the mid-90s. Um, then Jack went on to buy a portion of Atari and went into Atari computers and... Uh, he ended up buying the Atari computers because of the crash of 83, picked it up for a song, and started doing the line of Atari computers. Jack Tramal died of a heart attack recently. He was 83. Now, I have read reports that he was a pit bull. He runs the business hard, and people had a love-hate relationship with him, but he got the job done. He made computing affordable for the everyday man, and I think we are here today in part because of his introduction of computing to the everyday person rather than just corporate America who can afford it. He forced competitors to bring it down, which included the makes of Apple Macintosh and, and all those other computer companies, which forced them to bring it down so that people like me and you and all these listeners that grew up on the Amiga and the Commodore 128, that they actually got their hands in the first programming. And those people actually are making the games that we love today. So to Jack Tramal, I, I salute the man. He brought me years of enjoyment in games and pleasure. And may he rest in peace, Jack Tramal. Mm, a fitting tribute. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I really knew nothing uh, of, of the backstory of, you know, 
where the Commodore came from. You know, I, I'm just for me, it was a, a computer that one of my friends had. Right. That you know that I thought was really cool, and you know, watching him play the games on. Um, like for me that. I remember because like some of the games were cartridge based yeah. and they would yeah. they you would stick it in the back of the keyboard. And then there were others that were like on the on the big floppy disks. Now I have to tell you the floppy disk that was the greatest thing in the world because when I had the Commodore I was in uh, 13 14 and I'd be going to school and we would be trading disks with other kids and back then <laughs> very much like you know Napster was and, and all the peer-to-peer software, you were able to copy games back then. And we would trade old Commodore 64 games like crazy. There were, there were programs called um, nibblers that would uh, basically copy the disc. And back then we'd take a, a floppy disc, which was a five and a quarter disc, and we'd cut a little hole in the side so we can use both sides. And we would just put tons of games on them. And it was it was fantastic, and you would think you know that would be a, a terrible thing to say. We were bootlegging games back then. It was such a different world than today. Yeah, um, I mean everybody we loved the machine because we could do so much with it. Not just play games, but make games. And there were so many software programs that actually allowed you to do that. It was absolutely and so many books that were out on how to learn how to program BASIC. They were teaching it in school to kids. Um, yeah, it was like one of the first places where arcade games were actually ported to because the consoles just couldn't handle it at the time. Uh, but the, the, the Commodore 64 basically had a good grip. It had fantastic music. Uh, it had a, a SID microchip that was by far the best music synthesizer of any of the computer games. The uh, Macintosh, uh, what did they used to use? The uh, Mockingbird card. It sounded horrible compared to what was coming out of this ugly, stumpy-looking bread box that was the <laughs> Commodore 64. It, yeah, it was a, not an attractive machine, but it was this, The sound on that thing was good. I, I just put in Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. And comparing even to the Nintendo, the music on the Commodore 64 is just... It's, it's way better, in my opinion. I, I really like a lot of the music on there. Absolutely, yeah. One of the greatest music tracks on the Commodore 64 was a game called Skate or Die. It was a, uh, a skateboard game. And that had a guitar riff in the beginning that you swear was a real guitar grinding. It was just so cool. I actually just picked that game up. Uh, well, for me, uh, growing up, I, the, I played my grandma's Commodore 64, and I was really young. So most of the games I don't actually remember the names for. But... Um, I, I loved going over to her place and playing them, and some of the games, like Sammy Lightfoot, that's one that I was talking about that I really want to get my hands on, because I, I went away f- to college, and I came back from college, and I started really getting into collecting games and going out and picking up all the old games for the consoles that I grew up with, and my dad said that my grandma had given him the Commodore 64, and I asked him where it was, and he said that he tossed it out. <laughs> oh. oh, so that was probably it was the the system, the computer, and probably I mean back then not all the games were legitimate, but uh, probably a hundred some games. And I've been on a on a mission to kind of try and get some of those back, and because I, I honestly don't remember the names of the games that I played, but when I see them, I, I recognize them. And I just got Skate or Die. Yeah, and a fantastic. whole bunch of manuals. There was you were right. There's so many books on 
uh, for the Commodore 64 and just just programming and I mean uh, it, it's fun to go back and and play those. And one other thing, I I didn't even realize it. I just recently picked up a Commodore 64 monitor or a Commodore monitor again. Mm-hmm. And those are the absolute best monitors for retro games. It's hands down. I I play my games on the. I used to play them on my LCD TV or even just a CRT TV. And there's something about the Commodore monitor. Everyone always mentions it, but when you see it in person, it is. It seems so crystal clear. Even on Sega Saturn games, Panzer Dragoons, it it just makes the games look like they're in HD. I don't know what they were doing back then making that thing, but I still play my retro games on that. Now, you mentioned that Sammy Lightfoot. I mean, what kind of game was that? Was that like a platforming game? or? Yeah, it's got four levels, and they repeat. They get more difficult. And you're this character with a big pompadour. You know, the hairdo with the... <laughs> it pomp, like, popping out in the front, you know? It's like and what I'm just... rocking now. <laughs> pompadour. Pompadour. It's and, a 50s word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> pulled it up. Gotcha. Did you get the... Who, who are you seeing it on? A character or a real... Well, yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it pulls up John Travolta (laughs) with the, like, the greaser hair. You have to look up this game. Watch the long play. The music is so funny. It is so entertaining to me. I absolutely love it. It's one of the main reasons that I like the game so much. And I I can't even explain it. You're this little character, and he makes, he walks, and it is a platformer. And you jump across obstacles, and you know, uh, platforms moving up and down and you have to time your jumps and you're avoiding some little pixels that float in diagonally. And, I mean, it is a really short game, but when you listen to the music, when you beat the levels, they have these little clips and I, every time I hear it, it just it just gives me a big smile, man. The, the, the sounds are so funny in the game. And, yeah, definitely look it up on YouTube and check it out, but... I can't find the game, and I actually have a ColecoVision, and I, which I have the game for, but my ColecoVision broke, so I need to get a new one of those, and then I'll, and then I'll pop it in and play it some more. But I'm still definitely looking for the Commodore 64, just as a, as a memory playing over at my grandma's, you know. Yeah, well, my buddy had one, um, and the games I remember the most, well, the first one was called Impossible Mission. Yeah. Not Mission Impossible. Yeah, that's a classic. Impossible Mission. <laughs> and it was like... Did you beat that I one? I don't know how to describe it. it what's Did that? Did you beat that one? That's a hard <sighs> no game. Way. It was impossible. It's hard so hard. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing of the game is, like, you're this guy, and you're in this, like, house kind of a thing. And, like, there's multiple levels, okay? So there's, like, you, you know, you take elevators and things like that. And... And it's like the house, you're, you're supposed to go around and, like, access these computers. I think you're supposed to be, like, a special agent. And you're supposed to, like, access these computers. And, and and there's, like, these robots going around trying to kill you. And, like, you do all these, like, flips everywhere. Wait, wait a minute. You have, to, you have to go into that more detail. First off, remember the run cycle that the hero runs in is one of the most fluid run cycles for an early game. I mean, it really looked good. And this, I think, was an early Electronic Arts game. Um, I believe so. And it also had synthesized voice, which sounded really good. In the beginning of the game, it would say something like, what would it say? Um, Destroy him, my robots, or something like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, it actually, like, freaked me out. Yeah, because like, he'd say, as a stay kid. a while, stay forever, some kind of weird stuff like that. Okay, no, this game was actually, it was published by by Epics. Epics, yeah, you're a lot right, of games you're right. Uh, yeah, Epics. and, and I, I actually have the, uh, I have the Sega Master System version, which I think only came out, it didn't come out in North America. It's one of the ones that I got from, from, uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's it it actually it plays fine over here on the U.S. Uh, system. So yeah, I got that specifically because I remember playing it on on the Commodore sixty four. And then there was another game that I can't remember the name of. It's it's driving me crazy, but it it was like not even like a real game. It was basically like this early kind of like sim game where. It, it was like there was a house and there was a little guy that like would like live in the house and all you would do, you would do is kind of like watch this this guy and you would try to like interact with him. Was it was it little computer people? Uh I think that that might, might be it. Little computer people. Yeah, and like the guy, you would try to like interact with the guy and I think like he would you would ask him if if you want to play a game and he would say like sometimes he would say yes or no and then you would play like checkers with them or something like that mm-hmm. um yeah little computer people look that up see if that's it so yeah that's definitely it so much fun finding games like that that for for me the Commodore 64 I don't remember them so when I do find one I I remember playing it as a kid and it's so much fun popping them back in it Hey, Dinky, Dinky, what did your grandparents do with the Commodore 64? What were they using it for? I honestly don't think they used it for much. I don't know. Why did they (laughs) buy it then? Um, Honestly, I I was real young, maybe four or five, so I had no idea. I just knew I went over there, we would eat some pizza sometimes and play video games. (laughs) How about Space Taxi? Do you remember that one? What is it? Space Taxi? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh man, that's another like definitive Commodore sixty four game. Uh, that also had like really bad speech synthesis, but it was great. You're a little taxi driver on a really, really <laughs> poorly drawn screen, and it was like this surreal screen. Like there'll be giant uh, candy canes and candy swirls or buildings, and you would fly around location to location that were marked one, two, three, four, five, and there'd be a little passenger saying, "Hey, taxi." And you'd fly to it, but you would have to land with, like, retro packs, kind of like Lunar Lander, if you remember what that was. Yeah. To, like, not crash, and you couldn't <laughs> land too hard, otherwise you break. And the little guy walks on board, gets on board, and he would tell you where he wants to go. He'll say, like, Pad 3, please, and you'd have to fly to Pad 3, and you had limited fuel, and you had a timer going, and you would do this all throughout the level, and when you finally finished a level... The last guy would say, up, please, and a gate would open, and you would fly out to the next level. It was absolutely fantastic. Space Taxi. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to get that one. I did, I did pick up a lot of them. I, I run into a lot of people on Craigslist that are just trying to dump them. So I try and buy them up and put the games in and see if they're ones that I recognize. Yep. One more, one more I want to mention that I played was called Rocket Ranger. And I actually, it's it's a total, you know, it's like a total ripoff of uh, the Rocketeer, like the old Rocketeer comics, not the movie, um, but the old comics that came out way before. But anyway, I, I did a review of the NES version on my channel. Um, it's kind of like one of those, like, you know, kind of cheesy but good 
uh, type of games. But I remember the Commodore version because in in the in the Commodore, like in order to take off, like you know, you had the rocket pack right on your back, right. and you could like fly around or whatever. In order to take off, you actually had to do this like takeoff sequence where you'd be running, <laughs> you'd be like running down the road. Like, you had to, like, tap the keys in a certain, like, rhythm, and if you didn't get fast enough, something would happen where you'd, you'd either, like, fall on your face or you'd, like, fly off and, like, crash into something. And I, I could never take off on the Commodore version. <laughs> I just could not get that part down. It was, like, it was like the Top Gun landing the plane type of a thing, yeah. except for it was, like, you're trying to take <laughs> off. I remember Infiltrator on the Nintendo was like that. I could not fly that helicopter. It was the first thing you had to do. And every now and then I would just lock into it and I would take off and it was a lot of fun after you landed that thing, but it was in the first five minutes. I could not fly it. I didn't know how I flew it, but when I did, I was pretty happy. Well, guys, we, we are actually approaching the two-hour mark here. No way. Um, you know, we had another segment plan where we were going to talk about collecting tips, but I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe we, we call it here and maybe we can, maybe we can spend some more time on that next month. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I'm surprised that it flew by so fast. It really did. And I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot for me to edit. So this is going to be pretty easy. Excellent. So, um, let's see. Dinky, do you want to kind of take it from here and talk about all of our, uh, uh, whatever we have going on in the... Contact in the, department. Uh, web zones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're new to this, so we're going to be trying to take on questions and hear what you guys want to say or comments about the, uh, about the podcast. So we've set up a couple ways for you to contact us. First, you can contact us on Twitter. We'll be posting things about the podcast on there. And that's just twitter.com slash hitresetradio. Also, you can search us at on Facebook at Hit Reset Radio, iTunes at Hit Reset Radio, and subscribe on there for the feed, and it'll update as we put up podcasts. And if you want to send any questions uh, through email, you can contact us at hitresetradio at gmail.com. And my personal um, YouTube is DinkyDana.com, and it's DinkyDana on Facebook and Dinky underscore Dana on Twitter. Mm. Did you mention our website that we have, HitResetRadio.com? Yeah, you can go to yeah HitResetRadio.com, and I've recently just designed a website for collecting video games, and I'm going to put reviews and all my videos on there. And we're hosting the podcast on there as well, which is dinkydana.com slash hit reset radio is where you would go to check out the podcast. And I've also had a lot of other collecting things on there, like a video game price guide compiled over 26,000 video game prices. So I use that a lot when I'm out at thrift stores and flea markets. And also a store locator where you can find video game stores, thrift stores, flea markets. You just type in your address or zip code and it'll... It'll bring up locations near you. But uh, those are where you can contact us. So hopefully right. you guys will enjoy the podcast and send us some questions or comments. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. And next next time we'll have to get more into the website and you know talk about all these different features that you have because I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people will be liking it. I'm, like you said, a lot of our listeners will probably come from YouTube um, in the in the beginning. So... I'll be putting up a video and 
you know, mentioning that and where I've been and kind of getting back into YouTube. I got this new computer so I can put up videos, and it's pretty exciting getting into all this, the website, the podcast, and having a new computer, being able to put up reviews again and all that. So definitely going to be doing a lot more gaming and talking about it. And if anybody's interested in arcade games and they want to check out my channel, it's it's YouTube, Mamecade, M-A-M-E-C-A-D-E, or go to Mamecade.com, and you can check out there and post and do what you'd like there and check me out. Do you have a book face page? A book face page? Uh, you know, I, I prefer not to go through that. Vintage, but... go over in two minutes your experience with Facebook. Oh. Because I find this very entertaining, and I think a lot of our listeners will very much enjoy your experience with it. Why is it entertaining when I get frustrated? Oh, your emails were cracking me up. I mean, it's... <laughs> all right, well, I want to... Uh, all right, so if, if you've been a, a subscriber of mine, first of all, thank you very much. Of course. Um, you know that I'm just not a fan of Twitter uh, or Facebook, and uh, I just, I don't know. But I thought, okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something new. Like, you know, we're doing this podcast. You know, a lot of my friends on YouTube have Facebook page, and maybe it'd be cool. I was thinking, like, yeah, you know, I could put up some pictures and things like that, and you know, interact with the guys that way. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to make this Facebook page. So I'm doing it, and I'm like, I create this page, and I actually, so I actually did have a Facebook for like. I don't know, like a couple hours. <laughs> world record, <laughs> and I made world record for you. I made it like a um I made it a like a fan page or whatever. So it wasn't like I guess Dinky explained this to me my the air of my ways, but it was too late. It was already gone. So I guess I sh I should have made like a personal account first or something. I don't know. All I know is that I made this fan page, right? And I put like a little bit of time into it, like I set it all up. And, um, and I, I kind of had mentioned it to Jumble Junkie. I talked to him every so often. And so he was the first person to actually go and like, like the page. Okay. So I guess when he did that, like some people that were like friends of his saw it. And so I got like a couple other people like Jason Heine, Chipsters, and a couple other uh, folks had like posted stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Right. So I went on there and I like replied to their comments and then I was like, okay, well, I want to go and, like, friend these other people. And so, like, I, when I went to their, when I went to their pages, like, it wouldn't let me friend them. And it, and I was like, okay. And it wouldn't let me comment on their pages at all. So I got really frustrated and really ticked off. And I just deleted the whole thing. I was working and I saw an email come through and it was, I could just tell. I knew. You were like, it's gone. And I just imagined the frustration you were going through. <laughs> and I said, I said the dinky because like we had uh, like a little link to it on the website, and I just was like, "That's it! I deleted it. Take that icon off of the website." I took it down within ten minutes too. I didn't want another email yelling at me. Oh, and then with the Twitter thing, I I, I actually tried that as well, but I went to that, and it wouldn't. It my username was too long, and I couldn't think of another username that i wanted to have so i just said forget it this isn't for me <laughs> so i'm just it just confirmed to me that i'm just a i'm just a youtube guy like all the way so that's where you can find me youtube.com slash vintage video game geek 
and I never get any private messages, so please feel free to private message me, and I will answer you. Oh, yeah, and on my YouTube, it's actually youtube.com slash D-L-N-K-Y, Dana, not the I. Uh, someone already had the name Dinky Dana. They made the account in 2008, and the last time they signed in was 2008. And if and if you're listening to this and you're one of the four subscribers that subscribed to them thinking it was me, get rid of that because I think <laughs> their account would have gotten deleted because they're inactive, but they have four subscribers, so it's still there. Well, even if they have a subscriber, it will keep. It. I don't know. Um, didn't you guys? I thought it was like if they didn't log in or whatever. Yeah, they haven't logged in since 2008. The, they didn't. I bet you it gets deleted in like two more years. <laughs> Well, by then, it's not even going to be worth switching. Well, it's already kind of not worth switching, but it's just its just a fact. I just i just wanted... Who else would think up Dinky Dana as a name? Well, you know, this is a story for another time, yeah. but it's yeah. the original Dinky Dana. Yeah, we'll get into that another time. Everyone always asks me about that, so... Well, Later if, on, if you have to ask that, because I tried to get Mamecade on Facebook, and some guy in Africa who... I don't even know what's up with that. Uh, he's got Mamecade, so if I wanted to do Facebook, I had to do some kind of weird variation of it, which was really frustrating. So there's somebody yeah. in Africa that's called Mamecade that I have no idea why. And it's a very weird website, so feel free to check him out if you like. It's bizarre. <laughs> nice little plug for him. Yeah, hope, hope he gets flooded. Well, I remember Vintage, you, you went over to the other Dinky Dana and posted a comment all confused. You said, where'd all your content go? You don't have anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was like, yeah, that was several years I know. ago. That's right after I met you. Uh, one thing, I, I, I want to mention one more thing about this Facebook thing, because I'm, I'm sure somebody's thinking this. Um, like, okay, so I, I deleted my page, right? And I, you're probably saying, well, you can just go and, like, create a new one as a regular profile. Except for what happened was I reserved that username vintage video game geek as as a fan page and apparently once you do that it's when it's been used it, it can never be used again so i've deleted it it's gone and it can never be used again so you know somebody's gonna go and steal it now when it's available again can't no they can't <laughs> that's the thing you can't steal it I, I actually read into this, and it's like once it's been used, and it's it's only can be used one time, and no one else can ever use it. Should have just put it on hiatus. Well, no, but the the whole problem of it all, and, and now I think we're boring people, but the whole problem was that I wanted to be able to comment on other people's pages. Yeah, we'll get you set up one of these days. <laughs> no, you won't. Probably. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll I'll catch the next thing that gets popular, right? Because, like, we had MySpace, now we have Facebook. So whatever the third thing, maybe, like, the third big social media thing. Because Facebook isn't going to last forever. I'll, I'll make a prediction. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. We hope you're back again next month with us. And John, when when's the due date? Oh, it's at the end of May sometime. We're not exactly sure when. Okay, so we'll definitely get in one more episode with John. And uh, we'll just go from there. So yeah, we, we, we totally want to hear your feedback. Let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. Night all. Night.
some kind of like cool way to end the podcast. For crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> crying that, out loud. He's that, so anal. That's why I said it earlier, John. You had such a perfect one, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, it, vintage happened. That's what happened. We missed, we missed half of it. <laughs> uh.